0: Should we start the episode by uh, confessing how much misinformation we've tweeted out over the past three years? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: That's a good one.
0: This is like, and the corrections. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Back to activist class. It's been a while. I hope you've been well. Uh, we've been in the fucking streets. So if you haven't heard from us um, and haven't been reading our personal Twitters and Instagrams, uh, that's where the fuck we've been because shit has hit the fan. Uh, there was a global pandemic and then there was a national rebellion. And now we have a autonomous zone in the middle of our city that we're gonna talk about and also just. Uh, digest the past couple weeks that have felt like two years um, so yeah we're really happy to be back um, a lot to talk about I'm here with the one and only crew of Activist Class, we got Myra, what's up we got Chrissy,
0: at no thread
1: oh god
2: damn it <laughs> we
0: got Day <laughs> at Junior on all platforms. And
1: oh, well, we got <laughs> Sweat At junior.
0: At speculation.
1: <laughs> With the, K. the
0: only speculation.
1: The only speculation. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you Chrissy. all. I said Chrissy, but you interrupted me.
0: Oh, and Chrissy. At Christina Shimizu. No, at Chrissy Shimizu. Zoo, like the shit you put animals in is fucked up. End that shit. Tiger King is... Don't glorify that asshole. Okay. Anyone want to start it off and tell us what's going on at
2: CHOP? Well, we have to start with the mayor's press conference, I think, because that's the state that CHOP is in right now is they're freaking out that, they, that the SPD may come by at any moment. So anyway, right now, CHOP is uh, in its, I would say, its third iteration. The first was CHAZ um, or Free Capitol Hill which happened right after spd just retreated and we just took over their barricades and celebrated and you know started figuring out okay we're here to stay we're going to occupy this district they had boarded it up cleanly boarded up they left so it was chaz for a while and for three days Um, I watched people, I watched pure democracy in its messiest form, which was people um, trying to get in, not getting in, people getting into fights, yelling at each other about optics, yelling at each other that we can't burn it down, yelling that we have to be in our best behavior because once we fuck up, SPD is going to come in and justify their existence. So for about like three to four days, three to five days, that was the status of it. And then it changed to the name CHOP. Um, and that was its second phase, which was people re- realized that it's here to stay. All the bad press about it started to come out. People yelling about how, no, we're not autonomous. This is still a protest. Don't forget that it's a protest. The gardens started propping up um, on, on the, on the um, what do you call it, the park. Um, people started camping around it. Um, and the black party atmosphere started to come in, right? The artists were coming in, painting Black Lives Matter on the on the street. That's when we were all there, remember? Um, and there's more partying, um, a lot more graffiti. Um, the people's assembly started uh, happening. So at like around three or seven, people would get together and share stories or tactics and have teachings. So, um, and then I changed the name shop because of the um concern over optics, right? We're not autonomous, there's still protest so it changed to Capitol Hill Occupied Protest, and everyone started calling it that.
3: A do few, guys- oh, sorry, go ahead, ask a question. Yeah, do you guys remember when we all we heard were like helicopters over our homes and like. Flashed bangs and the entire neighborhood of Capitol Hill got tear gassed for like mm-hmm. a week straight.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and then all of a sudden the, um, the cops like disappeared and we heard that they were retreating, but they all like went to the Safeway mm-hmm. on 15th Avenue.
4: You know what I found out? They actually, they off. actually snuck in. Sorry to cut you off, but I just no. heard this story and it's bonkers.
2: Okay. And, let's uh,
4: hear it. Um, a couple of the officers at the East Precinct work as security guards at night at Seattle Academy. So they went and unlocked Seattle Academy, moved like hella officers in there and then took over their whole parking garage downstairs and like stored all their military equipment and shit. So Seattle Academy has canceled their contract and they're like looking at ways to fucking get them. But it's crazy.
2: That is wild. Yeah. That's true though. They had nowhere else to go. So people were just like watching where they were going. They were behind the synagogue on 15th, yes. uh, around there. They were mm-hmm. on the Safeway. They were in volunteer park, you know. Were, um, there was, parking lots.
3: Yeah, but There was a lot of fear, I feel like at that time too, because the police were moving, but it was really unclear mm-hmm. what they were moving to do. And because they're so mit- militarized and because they have so many tanks, And, like, armed vehicles, and it was the National Guard, it was the sheriffs, it was SWAT, it was police. Mm -hmm. It just, like, really felt intimidating, and everyone was on edge.
2: I would say that it was definitely the height of paranoia at the Chop Chas, for sure. Um, People started seeing more undercover cops, or, you know, what we thought were undercover cops. Um, 3 a.m. became, like, this time, like the witching hour, essentially, right? Um, We've had people try to break in, we've had fires break out, we've had, you know, fights, um, shootings, like it all happened in the middle of the night and that's when people started, you know, becoming very hypervigilant and scared. So there was a lot of fear and danger or at least perceived danger because, you know, the cops are highly militarized, right? Um, And have access to more things than we do. Um, and I would say the latest version of Chap Chaw, Chaz Chop now is Chap um, Chap, Ch- Ch- yeah <laughs> Chip. Um, is the barricades moved, right? Um, SDOT and the fire department and business leaders, which we don't even know like who they represented, right? Um, came by and started looking for people in the Chaz to talk about you know, hey, we need access to these streets. We need to move these. And that's where the, um, all the barricades we had moved away and came, and there came in the S-dots cement barriers. Um, and a lot of people are saying that because of this change, uh, it was more dangerous for the protesters now because now every street, or at least like the main street where the precinct is, is accessible by car now, right? Um, and and that's where we are today in terms of its form. Can
0: I ask a quick question? Um, have you guys ever watched a play, and like in the beginning, before like the play starts, a person comes out and like breaks down the story, and then and it begins, and then it goes dark, and the curtains open up. That's what yeah. I feel like Myra just did.
2: Yeah, that is what I just did. <laughs> that was the point. This was like the. I scro- like
0: no. That was, this no, is like no, the scroll. That's yeah. a compliment. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, she's setting the stage.
2: Setting the stage.
0: And Aretha's about to come out.
2: Yeah, Aretha.
0: <laughs> so when's the last time each of you have been to CHOP?
2: Mine was last week. Um, I want to say
4: Thursday. That's what yeah, I day. was last, last Thursday morning. The day they moved, after the barricades moved, I didn't. Fuck with that place anymore. Yeah,
2: I didn't fuck with it either. I, yeah, I and, and if it's con-
0: in, in case we didn't make it clear, we're recording this on July. June. June. Oh my god. June. <laughs> <laughs> we're recording this on June twenty third, Monday, Tuesday evening. Um, just for yeah. reference, because I think it's been pretty clear. Like every day that passes, especially here in Seattle, a lot of things can change, and so. Um, like Myra just said, the most recent thing that's happened so far is um, that Durkin, Mayor Durkin of Seattle, did a press conference. I believe when did she say that she's taking back Chalk?
1: She did it. She just said it's gonna be in the near future. Yeah, I think that was well, yesterday. Well, that was sure, yesterday. Sure,
0: sure. I guess well my question is when did she say that? like the return of CHOP to the police will happen at some point. That was yesterday, right? Sunday. Yeah, she said that minute.
1: yesterday.
0: Which caused mm-hmm. like a frenzy. Yesterday
1: with was the people. Monday.
0: Yesterday was Monday.
4: I'm <laughs> <have this laughs> anymore. We all know this. It's okay. It's okay.
0: <laughs> no, but like so as soon as she announced that, and again, yeah, Aretha, you're right. It wasn't specific when exactly, mm-hmm. but there was definitely like a fear frenzy, especially <laughs> with the people on the ground at CHOP on, like, when are they coming. There's been rumors of a navigation team who do the homeless sweeps to go there and start uh, doing outreach, which basically means they're about to get swept out of their tents and encampments. um, Mm -hmm. Happening as early as last night. So far, there's no reports of that happening, at least from what I've heard. Um, But, yeah, a lot has changed since even yesterday, I think.
1: Yep. Absolutely right. I think what has been so interesting is, like, when she was asked when the mayor was asked directly, you know, so is your plan to just like walk in there with a bunch of cops and just take the space back? She was like, no, like that would not be smart and blah, blah, blah. And the the news that I've heard is that there's like an MOU with not this time, which is run by Andre Taylor to basically- Breakdown MOU? It's a memorandum of understanding. So basically the mayor, and if this is true, is saying that we're not going to send SPD in, we're going to send in quote-unquote community messengers to go in and talk to people one-on-one and basically convince them that Chaz CHOP is no longer serving the purpose of like Black Lives Matter, right? Like it's just deterring, it's um, unsafe, it's a distraction. So that's what I understood from the the press conference yesterday on top of like you know, the mayor's basically saying that since the mayor and the police chief and everyone else that was up there basically saying, like, you took away all of our toys, so any of the violence that has happened thus far is because we don't have tear gas and flashbangs anymore. Um Yeah, so that that's what I understood yesterday to be a as. That's my understanding of it too.
2: do You
0: think they were hoping that Andre Taylor would have convinced people on their own to leave because here is this black man who is at least the average moderate person in Seattle believes is like an activist, it's, you know, especially considering the fact that uh, he lost his brother to police brutality as well um, back in 20, I want to say 15? Uh, 2015, 2016? Che was- um, Taylor. And yeah, I think but, you know, I think it's also been known, especially from on-the-ground organizers here in Seattle, that he has aligned a lot closer to elected officials like Jenny Durkin and their agenda versus, like, what the activists are pushing for. And that press conference yesterday, it kind of seemed like Jenny Durkin was like, all right, I got to pull out the Andre Taylor card. hmm And it didn't work.
1: She had to phone a Black friend. Yeah.
0: Right. Besides yeah. her Black police chief, Black woman police chief and black fire chief that she continues to tokenize. Yeah,
2: I think it. I think it's common knowledge yet uh, along um, committed activists that maybe are not leaders, but are that very that are very in tune with local politics and and leftist organizing. But I think it's gonna. The thing is, I don't know who's, who's on the ground anymore, right? Is it new people coming in or is it the committed people staying put, right? I, I don't know. But definitely um, there is a fear that it will work uh, amongst liberals, right? That it will convince them, oh, Andre Taylor, I mean, they're working together. This will be fine. And, and that, that's definitely a fear of mine as well.
1: I will say though, like I know that there's so many layers to chop, and there's a lot of critiques to be said. But um, the night that decriminalized Seattle held the teach-in slash like uh, I think like spoken word like with all the artists, the energy definitely felt different. Like there was a really there's a lot of people there, um, but like people were painting the mural. There was altars everywhere. Like to look around Capitol Hill, which is like usually like a very white space, like, yes, it's, you know, the historic queer neighborhood, but let's be honest, like it's mad white. To look around and see like defund SPD spray painted everywhere, like every fucking where as like almost like a mainstream talking point at this point was kind of wild and a little surreal um, considering how fast things have moved in the city. And, you know, if we were having this conversation last year, People would not be down. I mean, I will give her credit. Shama has been talking about defunding the cops for a very long time. But you know, that there was never the political will or the political moment that actually had people in a in a in agreement on that. But to see that shit spray painted everywhere is crazy. Um, so I, I do I, I have gone in circles in my head around chop and like what utility it serves to getting us closer to those demands, because that's kind of been my guiding principle in all of this. Um, And I think it's served as a place for people to have those conversations um, and like be a very visual representation of resistance, because so much of what we do as activists is actually behind the scenes. And, you know, the protest is only 2% of that. It, the organizing part is all of the other things that we do behind the scenes to, you know, spread analysis and push the agendas of whatever coalition we're in. Um, so I think it felt good to have a win, you know, because we've been taking so many fucking hits for so long.
2: Yeah, definitely the way I've been conceptualizing what the CHOP serves us right now are um, one, we are keeping, it's keeping the East Precinct hostage is like the main utility. And I feel like no matter how perfect or imperfect we occupy it, keeping that still, you know, boarded up is a huge deal. Uh, And we can argue about it's other utilities, Um, but that one's the first. The other, I feel like it's, it was like a moment for people to experiment the end of policing, um, which I would say succeeded and failed, uh, failed because of course we don't have the discipline and skills to, um, as, as a society, you know, as Capitol Hill, as, you know, cause there's only so little organizers, right. And like you were just saying, Aretha, never have we thought that defund SPD or abolitionist thought would be essentially mainstream, right? Or at least mainstream in a space. And, and then the third, I feel like it acted as a community healing, um, you know, and mutual aid. And that's where the neighborhood came in and, and the residents came in, right? So I feel like if you see it in those three lens, it kind of gives you an understanding what it is, but it never it was never meant to be permanent, right? And that's why I say it's to it needs to serve the demands, which is why you have the East Precinct hostage, essentially.
1: I would also add, it feels like this is the first time that SPD has been on the defensive, right? Because, you know, we took their precinct, they got kicked of the Labor Council, shout out to the fucking organizers for that, and then three, they're gonna get defunded. Like, council is very intent on this 50% number as the low ball. Mm. So I think that it's never had, we've never had like hit after hit after hit on SPD. It's always been like us reacting to like, fuck, they're trying to do emphasis patrols. Like, we need to stop that. Like, fuck, we have to like cut the navigation team. Um, it's never been us actually being like, no, motherfuckers, like we're coming for your necks right now and being successful.
0: Yeah, it's been a long three weeks like we talked about. It's been three weeks, right? Let's just assume that's true. And, you know, starting off with that first night of protests, I think a bunch of us went to, and I just remember trying to discern, should we go to this or not? You know, it was the first night. We were like, oh, there's rumors that it's just led by white anarchists. And, you know, I don't want to talk shit about white anarchists. But if that was like the only people that was going to be there, I think that's not the most ideal situation for people of color. But I think one of the main reasons from my memory that we decided to go is because they were choosing to start in the Chinatown International District. And we wanted to make sure um, that, you know, because it was starting in, in the community, in our community, like, I think we needed to at least... I don't know how would you how would you say like we we first approached that night, I guess, like we weren't really keeping watch, but we were like we felt i mean, am I wrong to say that we were more compelled to compare compelled to go because it started in the c i d
3: yeah, I feel like we were well, first of all, we were all on a s on a zoom call the night before the march on Friday, like right when it was getting organized and we were watching the precinct in Minneapolis burn. And I think like none of us really could like believe what we were seeing. And this was before anything had happened in Seattle. And I think there wasn't a lot of like hope or clarity around like what the general like reaction was going to be in Seattle. Um, in solidarity with what was happening in Minneapolis and like how other cities across the country were gonna really pop off. And, and then we found out that the A team was like organizing a protest in Hinghe and um, hadn't reached out to anyone from the community and were scrambling to figure out who they'd spoken to and why they chose that as a central location and wanting to go and to like. Make sure that people were supported who had maybe never done a street action before around like how to move together and like how to like maybe support folks in guiding them like out of the neighborhood without things escalating there where there are a lot of elders and immigrant small businesses, and so I think we like like i I can speak for myself like felt really compelled to be out in the streets that night um regardless of, like, who was organizing it and how it was going to go down and to just, like, show up and make sure that, like, I was there and, like, supporting what was ever starting up in our city and also, like, hoping to, like, make sure, too, that, like, I could provide some support and guidance, to to, like, these, like, fresh, diffuse kind of disorganized protests. That we're gonna start but then me and um Aretha and day and Myra <laughs> ended up <laughs> sticking it out with each other the whole night can I like quickly like co- go through the story okay so, I love it yeah so we we let we marched out of Hing Hei and we started marching downtown and we like I think marched up second or third avenue and we got stopped at at the downtown public library and it was it was really interesting because like the group the crowd that night actually like at the beginning of the night was not that like diverse it was mostly really young um white people and so we like were marching around in circles there was no coordination there was no plan and that's cool right literal circles That literal circles and that was like part of what you know i mean it, it was disorganized there was no Um, emphasis on like creating a plan and that was what they chose to do and that's fine but like ultimately like the people of color were the people of were the people at risk in that scenario and like the black people in particular who were there and so like we like got stopped on third and like the um anarchists started popping off because we were right next to an amazon go And then the cops were just ready. Like they were waiting Mm -hmm. and like ready to use all the force they had. And so they started deploying tear gas and like pepper spraying and macing people and like batoning people. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I think the first time too, that like a lot of folks were like just figuring out like how we wanted to move together. So Rita and I like ran up the hill and like scouted an egress. Like we were like, how are we going to get out? And so we, like, found, like, this way out and this, like, one, like, black man who was basically, like, not even from Seattle and had just moved here, shouted at the crowd and was like, I'm not going to get arrested for you all. Like, get your shit together, basically, Mm -hmm. and, like, gave, like, a mini protest tutorial that night around, like, how to hold the line on roads and, like, how to move people through the street. But, like, SPD corralled people in on 3rd that night and Mm -hmm. split up, split up the group. The group that went with us ended up marching to the youth jail and, like, having a really, really, um, like, having a thoughtful experience, I think, in front of the, in front of the youth jail before before disbanding, like, peacefully, Mm -hmm. but, like, the cops didn't let the other group of people out any other way than like southbound. So they all ended up going back through the Chinatown International District that night because they had nowhere else to go. Like that was their only exit route. And that (laughs) shit popped
2: off. You know, (laughs) what's funny is that they, um, every time there's a, every time May Day comes around, they do try to divert all the anarchists south always. So it's like they all like just like tapped into like, oh oh, I know I, I know what to do, I know what to do, so they just like did the same thing as always for
3: May Day super racist,
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. they like divert them to like exactly like to soto essentially is what they always try to divert them that way
1: they do f- encore. oh yeah, for sure the I mean, right? literally like I remember when we were there when we were getting when we got corralled on by the the library, I remember hearing a cop say, just don't let them go north. Like don't let them go towards where the retail core is, like where all the shops are. And I I will say like, that night was a mess and we definitely turned it around, at least for our squad. But what Friday night kind of helped set the stage for was the fucking escalation on Saturday. Because I don't think this shit would have popped off the way it did on Saturday, had Friday not gone down, it did. The way it did where there were just so many videos of clouds of tear gas like mm-hmm. they had already set themselves up for that dynamic at least the cops did for people being people i mean i remember people were texting the two of you saying i wasn't gonna come out but i'm gonna come out now because i've seen what the fuck spd is doing to people mm-hmm. and I,
0: if, I, not, I agree let's not forget that friday night also ended for a lot of us with that video that got spread a lot of the guy getting ground and pounded by the police officer next to exactly who you mentioned, Marcus, um, the Black man Mm -hmm. leading the protests, Mm -hmm. you know, right in front of him. And Mm -hmm. so I think after that, like, you know, I I think in a lot of ways, the protests, especially the first night, represented the unfortunate demographics through gentrification that, you know, Seattle represents, right? A lot of white people. but at the same time, like, it was crazy to see, like, I think nationally for people, how SPD was choosing to react to protesters. And I do think a lot of the shared videos of the how cops are choosing to react during these, what they would call riots. People were shocked that Seattle PD, like, really? Like, you guys are at the top of the worst ones? Um, And I think we knew that as locals, but I think the country was kind of surprised at the over and over again videos of like, that's a a town in Seattle, like that looks like a war zone. And I wasn't seeing that happen in a lot of other places other than like Mm. Portland.
2: Yeah, but Portland and Seattle have a pretty rich anarchist history, right? And a lot of the people... The people that um, organized Friday—they've done—they've done demos before. Like yeah. this isn't new to them. They this, but it definitely—I I agree with uh, what Aretha was saying. Um, I feel like even though they were experienced in demos, they weren't experienced with this sort of demo uh, against like such a big target, right? Um, and and yeah, everyone. I think that set the stage too. Um, People not knowing how to block roads, not understanding like how how to stay together. It's like all the one on one stuff, and I saw it all through the weekend. Right up until now, we finally got it. But uh, every time people would march, they wouldn't do those things. Right, like, we, yeah. I feel like I feel like it was good to start rowdy because Seattle itself is very timid mm-hmm. in protesting. Like we fucking like after. Like I guess WTO was like the biggest large, large one like that, right? And like now we've accepted that the police will just like
3: bash us.
2: Well, it's just like it either ends at, it they either end it immediately or or it's like a permitted protest and those never changed in anyone's minds, right? Yeah, like a women's is- like the women's march. It's like a parade, right? Like we don't have protests. Um Of this urgency and anger, right? Like, people, like, I've never heard anger so clearly out in the street.
0: I mean, those permitted protests is, like, literally what Saturday was supposed to be, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, Saturday was supposed to be a permitted, Andre Taylor-led, Seattle-funded, shaking of the hand, kneeling police officers type of protest. And that plan lasted, what, seven minutes for them?
2: Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I know that all the people that that we, when we rolled up to Saturday, we were expecting to try, like, we were accepting that, oh, man, we're going to have to be the angry ones that say, fuck SPD. Like, that we have to convince all these white liberals, you know, that, you know, no, we don't want no kneeling cops. But when we got there, like, at, uh, 245 230 they were already throwing the flashbangs and people were angry Thank so you. like we immediately knew oh no this is a completely different energy
3: mm-hmm. you know who's the mvp gen z is <laughs> <the MVP. laughs> because yes. i feel like things on that one the youth came out so fast so strong so hard so organized so ready to show up and to like learn and to like do stuff and to bring the skills that they already had to like teach everyone else and like it was just really incredible to see and like also the the second point around that is like seeing youth of color being so clearly like treated as adults by cops and like being like aged by cops and like just having like like weapons pointed directly at them like kids you know and like
2: there were so they, many youth of color
3: so many youth of color and like day in one instant yeah. when you we were downtown this was like I don't think on Saturday this was like following a few days had passed but like we were like in an intersection and like these young people had like taken the intersection and were on their knees with their arms up and it was like multiracial and they all were just like chanting and holding the space and there were like National Guard and SWAT and police, like, surrounding them, just, like, trying to push us out, trying to, like, hold us back from being able to watch what was going on and to observe. And, like, they were ready. They were ready to jump those kids. And it was, like, I honestly think that, like, actually, like, being a physical presence and, like, being there was a way that, like, we kept... Each other safe in that moment because,
0: mm-hmm. like, I literally, yeah, I had to. I mean, yeah, I, I remember Christy and I had to literally take out our phones, put it into the swap team's faces, and be like, You motherfuckers, these are fucking kids, and thousands of people are watching. Which I inflated the numbers a little bit. <laughs> I said, Thousands I- of people are watch that- watching. <laughs> I was like, you, you motherfuckers, if you hurt these fucking kids, you're fucking done. Yeah, and you could see, at least, you know, these cops are human beings, right? So you can see the processing in their eyes. Like, like what the fuck? What the fuck do we do? What the fuck do we do? Because you're Chrissy's right. Like, they were ready to mm-hmm. fucking pounce on those kids. And it's almost like, like a possessed vampire. And you're like, that's your friend. That's your friend. Like, we had to, like, literally convince these SWAT team members that they were about to fuck up some kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, like, suddenly, like, humanity entered their souls, but at least they were thinking about what it would look like because the PR was already getting bad. Well, and that's all we had against them.
3: We yeah. helped like, basically the the young people, like, held that intersection long enough so that, like, another march that was just happening throughout the downtown core caught up with them on the same street, and then the police had to retreat and then like the two groups formed into one large group and it was like a rush of like victory (laughs) like watching the police surrender and I think there were moments like that where like there were big wins and like people really realized that like this uh, like the curfew had hit and like we didn't know whether or not we needed to run home. Everyone felt, like, fucking set up because there was not enough time to get home. We didn't know what the fuck was going to happen if we're all going to get a beat just, like, walking on the street. And then all of a sudden, everyone was like, fuck the curfew. <laughs> fuck the city. <laughs> like, what's the staying now? You, you know? And so that yeah. was kind of a magical moment. I want to I wanna talk about the curfew because I think that was a very profound moment for these past couple of weeks because
1: that was the... F- I think that escalation is what continued the momentum, right? Because Saturday had already been fucking turned up because the cock car had already been burned downtown had already been like, there's a bunch of fires down there. Um, the, wasn't it the old Navy that got looted?
2: Yeah. Which is
1: amazing. Cause I lo- they got good pants. Um, <laughs> but like we had taken the fucking freeway yep. and I, we have tried to take that freeway for years. Since twenty fourteen, people have been trying to take that freeway. And it just happened on that Saturday. Um, so when the mayor put in this curfew, like what was it, twelve minutes before it went into effect, mm-hmm. that one was a terrible decision, but that also amped people up because they were like, Oh, bet, now I'm actively going to disobey you because fuck you, Jenny Durkin. Yeah. And then I mean, Saturday twelve minutes yeah. was
0: wild. Twelve minute warning yeah. was like nobody thought that was a good idea did you guys get that alert pretty quick when it happened
2: i still Mm -hmm. haven't gotten it yeah
0: i got it we were we were like like, soaked wet underneath
2: the central library and we're like oh we're not leaving (laughs) there's no way we can leave (laughs) on time
0: yeah so it was so just a quick recap so friday night protest started really um it ended up We concluded Friday night, the first night, as a night of seeing the police and what they were willing to do to try to do some crowd control tactics led into Saturday, which was supposed to be a sanctioned, safe, at least in the city's eyes, um, protest permitted. But as we quickly found out, the police were ready to do all kinds of bullshit, like throw tear gas, flash bombs and stuff within minutes of the organized protest starting Um, and being there and watching over some Black and brown youth and immediately being like we need to escort them out cuz shit's about to go down um was something is something that I'll never forget and then that kind of bled into figuring out um what to do with all this momentum right and like figuring out like okay shit's happening in Seattle there's a lot of pressure the police is responding in the worst way possible how do we push for clear demands and use the leverage that's, you know, that is not going to last forever um, and figure that out. Um, And then demands are formed by a a handful of collective organizations coming together um, and kind of whipping up, I think, what we know today as like the three demands that organizers are demanding the mayor to meet. Um, Does anybody want to break that down, the three demands?
1: Okay, wait, but before we do the demands, can we just talk about how hilarious it is that we literally organized that protest? What? We got 10 hours. To, We got to each other's house at 11 o'clock at night, and the yeah. protest started the next day at, like, I don't at one. know what Insane! Like, it's crazy! But, but um, also how that's
2: the norm, too. Like, every ooh. single march that I've been to, like, either... Um, was privy to its organization or just showed up and heard about how, like, they all popped up in a day, you know? Yeah. And it's been really amazing seeing, like, people's logics be, be uh, on, like, where to protest and how. So, for example, the one that started up in Magnuson Park through Sandpoint, um, and there's other ones in North Seattle, those all came from, like, uh, the black ballroom scene that are that were thinking, hey, you know what? Fuck North Seattle. They don't get to. They don't. They're completely unaffected by all of this. And Charlena Lyles was killed up there. Like, so they brought the protests over there, and all of those happened also pretty quickly. And and, and you saw the same like inexperience um, in organizing, plus like not expecting so many people showing up because all of these were also highly attended by Gen Z so like it's a lot of new very smart amazing young people that have never organized before
0: yeah and, and the demands are not like the demands weren't created sorry the demands were created before the the march to city hall right starting in cal anderson park there is a wednesday march the wednesday after everything started going down from that friday um,
1: but it was and, like the usual actors, right? Like it's No New Youth Jail, Block the Bunker, like La Resistencia, yeah, Like it was people who have been doing work for a long time. They're like, okay, like we need to put something out because the, I think, you know, sorry to interrupt you, but to capture no, that momentum. My
0: yeah.
1: Oh yeah, like to capture the momentum, we needed people to be able to latch onto something. Like yes, Black Lives Matter, but how does that, how do we put that into practice here in Seattle? And it may, it means like defunding SPD, investing all of that money into communities and freeing all the fucking protesters. Um, yeah. So finish telling the story. It's my the story now.
0: No, no, no. That was basically my question is like, what prompted the creation of the three demands and, and like, what was the time frame between creating the demands and then the march to city hall where we literally delivered it to Jenny Durkin as a, the infamous Cersei Lannister walk down the steps moment happened in Seattle.
3: <laughs> I think it was just, yeah, there, it, it was just a few days, you know? And like, really, like there was a need. So like the, the mainstream media and Jenny Durkin were like, all of a sudden throwing this like narrative hard of the good protester, bad protester and like shit was happening where like, people wanted to be out in the streets. Like, I agree with what Myra was saying earlier about that feeling on Saturday where, like, people were pissed. Like, clearly there was energy and strength in the movement that wasn't going to die down, but there were people who were being wild and fucked up. Like, there, it seemed like there were some narcs or ops, like, leading things. Or, like, that was, like, kind of the feeling where, like... We're like, wait a minute, like there's like these people who are calling themselves like organizers who say that they have like longevity and experience in the community, but like everybody who's been doing abolition work and no new youth jail and block the bunker work and like work with all of the other coalitions for years, don't know any of these people. And they're talking about reform and they're not talking about abolition and they're leading, they're working with the cops. They're allowing them to shake hands with the cops. They're asking them to, like, they're asking the cops to kneel. Like, this is not the right message we want to get across. So I think, like, there was also energy behind, like, we need to immediately talk about how reform has not worked in the past, how it's only inflated the size of the SPD or the size of police budgets across the nation and increased criminalization and hasn't made the Black community safer so like that really like formed the demands and then all of the other coalitions were like we need to get out in front and we need to steal this narrative back from the mayor or anyone else who is trying to talk about reform and say like fuck you and that essentially happened
0: um and yeah so and then fifteen thousand people marched to city hall inspiring speeches durkin got dragged out of city hall the meeting became transparent honestly thank god for bad wi-fi because we wouldn't have had that Durkin moment on the steps of city hall as Speck was mentioning earlier and so I think a lot of things played out um but my next question is um just so like the listeners get a good timeline of like what actually went down I like I think I know what happened in between the moment we ended that action at city hall with Durkin Dragon out and chop being formed, not, sorry, not chopping form, but, um, the standoff becoming a regular thing between cops and protesters and the infamous like umbrella picture of all the umbrellas and the cops on the other side with the ride gear and the, the, so much gas and chemical warfare being used that, um, there are rumors that the police ran out, you know? And so what, Does anybody, can anybody like clear up the, um, yeah, the question of like what happened between 15,000 people at city hall, Durkin getting the demands and the standoff Mm. at Capitol Hill?
4: The standoff was already happening. Um, The standoff started Monday afternoon. Um, There was a march that started at city hall and then marched up um, Pike, I think into Capitol Hill to go to cal anderson where we we had been the night before before we went to Westlake, without any events but spd stopped us we were basically just i think going to march just past the precinct um and spd had put up a barricade at um, 11th and pine and just stopped everybody Um, and it was kind of like a really awkward two hours um where, like, people weren't sure what the hell was going to happen, and, like, it was getting really tense. Uh, a few of those questionable, newer-faced organizers Ah, it was
0: there, too. You're right. And they were kind of leading the... They had the megaphones.
4: Yeah, and they... Yes, and there they, like, took over the megaphones, and it was very weird, and they were doing the, like... They hugged the cop, and, like, there was a whole...
2: Oh, my God, I was there for that the whole time. Yeah. And so there had
4: been, so while while we were doing the march, there were like some somewhat older organizers who had like done this shit before and were like running the back of the line and were like keeping everybody in check. Um, and once those two folks got on the megaphone, the like organizers who had done this before basically like said some shit to each other and we were just like, we are out of here and like literally just like
0: oh interesting i i came after the questionable two newer organizers Mm -hmm. um took over the megaphones i didn't see the stuff that happened before i do remember one white lady photographer white woman photographer getting like booed out of the crowd because like she wouldn't sit down do you remember that
2: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm
0: uh god that seems like so long ago yeah (laughs) But if yeah, so
3: America city and you're listening to our episode and you too have experienced narcs in your movement, let us know. Leave us leave a comment.
0: We're trying to be all like nuanced and be like questionable newer. And then Chrissy just comes in with the narcs.
2: Dude, <laughs> no, like all that shit, like all the all like that vigilance started like since Saturday, you know, because, you know, everyone that had a megaphone was going to be questioned like, wait, are 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 our intentions the same, et cetera? And that's where, like, the true, like, white, like, majority white versus, like, dimi- like not, not that many uh, black organizers, right? Like, that tension started, you know, rising in the sense of which one do we follow, right? And that's where the two ops in question plus more, right? That's when people started seeing them talk to Durkin who the hell gets a meeting that fast with Durkin, right? And then then asking the cops to kneel um, at this barricade that Speck was talking about. So that's where you started seeing the tensions of, no, 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 this is not what we want. We don't want them to kneel. We want their jobs. And that's where that came, <laughs> came out um, too.
0: But what's confusing to me, is so how do you go from, Seeing cops and trying to lead the protest that way, and then turning that turning into like a chemical war for a war zone.
4: I, I cops were just too close to the barricades, and they were just they were like three feet from the barricades. That lady put that umbrella over, and that was it. Yeah, It looked like the guy in the middle like saw something from his periphery of like one cop struggling with this lady, and mm-hmm. he was just like right over the crowd with the shit. The yep. pepper spray went off, and then it was flashbangs, and then.
2: That, guess, that's seriously yeah that changed everything because uh the 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 first barricade was just this wimpy barricade and like since Monday they just kept getting bigger and larger and more substantial up to the point where they were about to install a permanent fence right which is kind of like what portland did um so yeah they kept escalating so everyone else was like well i guess we're gonna keep coming back until you stop this bullshit right
0: and that lasted Um, for like three four days
2: yeah until
0: when when exactly do y'all remember the east precinct being like we're the we're out i mean they're not let me clarify they're not saying we're out they didn't want to leave the police wanted to stay and continue defending their fucking castle yeah um but it was like what the following Monday you are saying, Speck, that the, the mayor made her decision and kind of forced the chief to pull the truth nobody,
4: out. Nobody has, ma- nobody has owned up to that decision. It was not the mayor. It was not the chief of police. Oh, it's um, not the mayor. No. Apparently. People think it might be the, like, staff sergeant at the East Precinct, but nobody's giving a name on that. Um, the guy who stays lot- there and watches family guy? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Just on loop. There's somebody It was, in Simpson. there
0: watching it was Guy, Simpson's everybody. dude.
2: It was Simpson. No, he was watching Family Guy last <laughs> Oh my
3: night. God.
0: <laughs> so nobody's confirmed on who pulled the officers and SWAT and military and all the vampires out of the precinct. So the mayor has confirmed that it wasn't her decision.
4: Right. I mean although I w- I-, I will say the union was making a hell of a lot of noise the Sunday before then about like not wanting to keep either like wanting to be able to use more force because i think at that point uh, she had said we weren't going to use tear gas anymore um
2: oh that's right i forgot
4: about that. and so so that sunday the union was kind of like like we're done with this like if we can't defend this the way we quote unquote need to like are we don't want to be here so I suspect I have no proof for this but I suspect that like the union might have had something to do with like getting out the message of just like we're going to just abandon this. Um, like we're out unless that,
0: you let us use the weapons.
4: Well, Sunday afternoon they they had like made this big push but then Sunday night was the like third and final and very large use of um the tear gas and um rubber bullets. That was the night the Young lady got hit in the chest and, like, almost died. I think the person, like, lost an eye getting shot behind, like, a dumpster. Like, crazy shit popped off. So, Monday morning, I think, they just made the call.
0: So, within nine days, we had the first night of the protest, a failed, organized, massive protest that led to a lot of bombing on Saturday, and then led to the demands getting created by organizers to the mayor which then led to a well and all that's happening during the time where there's a standoff that's growing more and more hostile on capitol hill which is now the chop location and then that led to the monday about nine days later when it all began of police pulling
4: but that same weekend they started off that weekend by arresting those two protesters friday and saturday night so like there was a good amount of like They were definitely trying to score points in that little window there too, mm. so.
1: Yeah, this is a very cohesive, windy story of ours. <laughs> Honestly, though, like, we're going to need, like, an audio record of what the fuck this shit was from the ground. Yeah, yeah. No, this
0: is, is going to be very
1: valuable. In many years, people are be like, what were those days like? And we'll be like, well, let me tell you.
2: We're going to be fucking throwing workshops and lectures about this shit.
3: You know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, especially when... Back in my day,
3: we hang out with the (laughs) Chaz. Before we dive too deep into CHOP, can we also just like zoom out a little bit and talk about national narrative and like even local narrative, like what we were hearing reported on the news and like Mm -hmm. what what the narrative was coming out of the mayor's office, because I will point out one thing, something that Myra alluded to earlier in terms of like bringing protests up north. A lot of this was centralized on Capitol Hill. And they did their best to, like, take it out of the downtown core. And then it didn't really, like, reach any other residential neighborhood, especially densely residential neighborhood or, like, suburban neighborhoods. So people who were not, like, immediately part of, like, how Capitol Hill became a war zone, I think really didn't understand what the fuck was going on. And they were really getting all of their information, either from twitter and social media which is my god or like q13 fox como and cairo which is like oh my god that's even worse Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
3: so what were we seeing and like what were we hearing and how can we demystify or dispel some of like the false myths that and false narratives that were running through the media
0: well would you say chrissy that capitol hill occupying a space in capitol hill is probably I don't know how else to say it, but like best case scenario of neighborhood of choice from the city?
3: I mean, I don't even know how to answer that question because I feel like we started this conversation talking about like what purpose CHOP serves and how we have political leverage over the precinct and maintaining focus that the precinct is a site of violence against the black community and needing to like focus in on the demands. I think like other than that though, Capitol Hill doesn't have any significance to the black community. And like if we had held something in the central district, if we we're able to take back property or land or like something that like could actually re like could actually put material gains into the hands and into like material assets of the black community, then that would make a difference. But like Capitol Hill doesn't need a community center. It doesn't need the precinct to be turned into another human services opportunity for Capitol Hill. So it's like, what do we do with it now?
4: But strategically, I think it worked out in, in like the media narrative sense because um, it's, it's one of the most densely populated and like tightly corridored residential neighborhoods. Um, Mm -hmm. People are very used to like seeing tear gas downtown. Like we're just desensitized to it. And like Monday and Tuesday night them filling Capitol Hill with tear gas was like, that brought tens of thousands of people into the streets. So like eventually holding it definitely like had not a lot of significance, but I do think like it worked out strategically in our favor that it was there. I don't know if it would have had the same effect.
3: That's true. And I also want to, say that I totally agree with what Myers was saying early, too, about just like how it became a training ground for mutual aid and community care and like, teach-ins. Um, but I do think that those could have been done wherever we had occupied space.
1: Yeah, I would also add that like some of the, the land demands that have been put out by King County Equity now um, actually, really get at that of actually of pinpointing areas within the central district that need to be returned to black ownership. Example being the firehouse on Twenty Third. Um, because actually, this is not a coherent thought. Please cut this out. I don't know.
3: No, that's this. a really that's a really important thought. I really think we need to like we need to focus on community control of land. And not just through, like, honestly, not just through quasi-governmental agencies like, like PDAs, you know? I think that there is uh, a difference between what Africatown and King County Equity Now is doing in terms of, like, bringing assets back into, like, Black-led ownership and saying, like, dude, our community needs space. We need, like, space to gather. We need space for our youth. We need space to come together collectively as a community, and we need space that's just all of our own and not something that we have to share. And, like, working alongside Black or- organizers and the decriminalized um, Seattle stuff that we're doing, I feel like I've learned so much just about local history, too, and even, like, the site of, um, of Northwest African American Museum being, like, the longest occupation in American history outside of obviously colonialism but like in colonization you can cut that out <laughs> it's like the, the longest occupation of um a land that was able to be brought back into community control and even then there there was a lot of tension around how that building could be used and whether or not it could be specifically for the black community and without going into like wonky housing policy, even though there's housing nerds that listen to the podcast, like
0: they're salivating. Don't tease
3: them. <laughs> when, you, when you create housing affordability, you still can't ensure community you preference. And you can't like that doesn't necessarily ensure that communities aren't going to get gentrified out.
0: What, what was your first reaction when you read Donald Trump's tweets? Mm-hmm. When he first mentioned Seattle, called us the ugly anarchists and told Durkin and Inslee, get your fucking kids in check right now.
1: I feel like the tweet before that, though, where he's like, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Mm. That was the one that, like, I mean, like, he said wild shit for so long. But that one, for some reason, hit me differently because I was like, they really will shoot. They've been shooting. And that tweet coupled with seeing, you know, all the right-wing media talking about like, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to get these lawless anarchists in check. And, you know, then being on the ground on Saturday and hearing reports of like Proud Boys and um, neo-Nazis in the downtown core right after we were only a few blocks away, coupled with the SWAT, coupled with um, National Guard, I was very scared. Um, And I remember being with the three of you like, and we were huddled in a parking garage in the rain, trying to figure out where the fuck we go because we didn't want to get hurt. Um, So I think that was the beginning of, that also kind of contributed to people's politicization, if that's a word, politicization.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I totally forgot about that when the looting starts, the shooting starts, and you're totally right. That set a precedent to how we're reading the tweets after basically empowering um, hate group vigilantes to at least make some credible, semi-credible threats on what was going down. Um, And a lot of threats and fear was being spread across, and oftentimes somebody caught On the police scanners, that there was like Proud Boy sightings coming up the hill. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that we're a little removed from that first starting to happen, how much of that was credible, you think?
2: Most of it was not.
4: Um, What do you mean? Most of the claims.
0: Yeah, and not so much the fear, because I think the fear was a result on tactical misinformation being spread by the cops and Mm -hmm. other right wing sources. But I'm just saying, like, like how real do you think was the Proud Boy threat throughout CHOP and even right now? And other right-wing, like, militia groups?
4: Very real. There were people, there were, like, people live streaming there, circling the block last night Mm -hmm. around midnight, like, like, literally casing the joint and, like, talking about best ways that you could get in if you needed to and, like, like it's a hundred percent under some form of attack at all times. That shit is very real.
2: Yeah, they were there. Def- they were, they were definitely there, and like very recognizable ones, like Joey Gib- Gibbons or whatever his name is. Like they were at the chop and armed too. So
3: there was one night though where I feel like on the scanners, the cops were talking about a group of white supremacists that were moving like. South on I-5, who got stuck downtown, who were headed up north, and then all of the people in the bike brigade and, like, people on like on foot didn't have any eyes on them. Yeah. And this was also at a time, too, where, like, the scanner chatter was, like, kind of inconsistent and, like, it was clear that, like, the cops had other ways that they were choosing to communicate with each other, like, either on other channels or encrypted channels or just, like, however... And we're using different code. And so at that point, I was confused because I didn't know whether or not cops were making up stories to like scare protesters to try to get them to disperse from CHOP. And I don't know if that's legal. And I don't know if that's what happened. But it just kind of seemed like it.
4: It it 100% happened. And it was the first night that they moved out. So it was like I don't know, like, five hours after. So they had already, like, stationed SWAT all around the neighborhood. That was, like, they took over Seattle Academy. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, it was probably, like, four people plus a dispatch person that were, like, running this hoax for, like, two and a half hours. Um, And meanwhile, like, this community was just being formed, basically. Like, they had just wrapped up their first people's assembly, I think. Um, And... So like they brought in a bunch of like firearms to try and protect I mean the police specifically said there were thirty like possibly armed specifically said Proud Boys who were looking for confrontation and headed for Cal Anderson. Um and so all of the pictures that then have been circulating around since then are on like right wing media of like Razz Simone with an assault rifle or like people handing out assault rifles to people like that was all done that night. And those photos, I think it seems very obvious that like they were looking to get that reaction so that they would have things to use against the community.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Mm. I agree. Which
4: sounds like a crazy conspiracy theory, but like I have the actual audio files and like, it's very real.
3: I think one thing just to wrap this section is that I feel like has been really beautiful in this process too, is that everyone has, there's been a lot of conversation about how everyone has a role to play and that you don't necessarily need to be out in the streets, like on the ground. You can be like listening to the scanners or picking up your friends or supporting by live streaming or cooking food, offering healing, offering childcare. Like there are, Thousand ways that our community has acknowledged and valued care work and the movement, and I think that that's really beautiful and like a really important step in like understanding that we are also creating, actively creating the world we want to see at the end of this. Like as we are actively dismantling the um, the police, and so. I think that there's just been, like, a lot of, like, skill building too and, like, a lot of co-learning in the community. And I really appreciate that. And everybody's on signal now. I think even my dad is.
2: <laughs> so there's that beauty aspect and then there's the messy aspect, which is there's a lot of trauma out on the street too. Sure. Um, and that um, is forcing us to do a lot of very quick um as democratic as possible conflict uh, mitigation and, and talking through our differences really quickly because we know that there's a lot on, on stake and we know that we can't waste time in fighting. Right. But also like, Oh man, I consult so many random people at the chop because we were all under such high stress at all times. So it's been really hard for the people that have been sticking it out on the ground. And we need to like acknowledge that and make sure we give them, like we listen to what they need too, not just assume what they need, but really listen to the, what they need. Um, Cause yeah, it's, yeah, just a lot of trauma out there that needs to help now and later.
3: Okay, you guys, let's do daddy, daddy, father, things we want to burn down. Are you going to choose them or you want me to choose them? You choose them. Okay. Daddy, Daddy, Father, Things We Want to Burn Down edition. It is the youth jail. It is Bell Square Mall. Ooh. And it is the Amazon Balls.
4: Ooh! Mm.
0: Okay, okay. That's a good one, Chris. Uh, yeah, good one. Okay, what do we collectively think should be Father?
2: the the mall
0: I think yeah
1: mall. I would say mall yeah. I hate
0: that fucking mall people never mm-hmm. think I'm gonna buy anything but it's the mall okay Bellevue Mall is father father and this is where it gets hard
1: it is
4: I feel like the Amazon balls have the theatrics but the like youth jail has the utility
2: mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. I'd really like to That's see those one. things on fire it would be wonderful be it would hilarious. be hilarious. Yeah, uh, if it's all glass we, it would be gorgeous. It'd be yeah. Uh, we can
0: repurpose gorgeous. the youth jail. But there's like you said, Speck, there's something beautiful of seeing the balls on fire with the trees inside. Rest in peace, fake Amazon trees.
2: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm not even
0: convinced those are like I know they're real, like living trees, but I'm not convinced they're not like made in a lab. Mm-hmm.
2: Dude, it's rich people. They love everything real so they can gloat about it.
3: So my so, daddy, daddy's father is. Don't one do daddy it. Daddy is
1: the youth jail with obviously no kids in it. You, don't, you know, set that on fire. Um, Bezos daddy, balls. The Bezos balls. Big burning balls. And then number three is the Bellevue Mall with Uniqlo.
4: Yeah. It's okay. Loot the
1: Uniqlo and then burn it down. Yes.
0: <laughs> and if it wasn't obvious, Bellevue Mall is uh, a rich people mall and for rich people places. On that note, next episode will be live from CHOP. Yeah. Really? Just kidding.
3: Next episode, we'll go over where we're at with the city, the budget, making progress on demands, and what comes next.
0: Rate us five stars <laughs> listen to Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. I just deleted my iTunes app because I didn't have enough space on my phone because of all the live stream footage. But guess what? I still had Spotify and I can still listen to activist class. What the fuck it's a
2: commercial? Know? Are we sponsored now?